The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss... Camel fighting, Leaky Black, Matt Norlanda is here with me. And as previously noted, in addition to normal episodes of the Ion College Basketball Podcast, we're also, in the coming weeks and months, going to be doing short episodes that focus on individual prospects in the 2020 NBA Draft. We've already done LaMelo Ball, Obi Toppin, Anthony Edwards. So if you missed them and you're interested, go find them. And now we turn our attention to James Wiseman. He's a seven foot one center with a seven foot five wingspan. He was the top ranked player in the class of 2019, according to 24 seven sports. As you probably know, James Wiseman was the biggest piece of Penny Hardaway's top ranked recruiting class at Memphis. He enrolled, but then quickly encountered NCAA issues because his mother accepted what was deemed to be impermissible benefits. So Memphis was instructed to hold him out to start the 2019-20 season, but Memphis still played him three games in defiance of the NCAA before setting him down. So the NCAA responded with a 12-game suspension, nine games for the impermissible benefit. His mother accepted three games to account for the three games Memphis played him when Memphis should not have played him. Just a mess. That's still a mess because Memphis is now uh, in the middle of an active NCAA case that's tied to all this. Either way, Wiseman was scheduled to rejoin the Tigers on January 12th at South Florida. But then, the week before Christmas, he abruptly and surprisingly quit the team. Dude just quit. So the college sample size is only three games. But in fairness, James Wiseman was overwhelming in those three games. He averaged 19.7 points, 10.7 rebounds, and 3.0 blocks in 23 minutes per contest. He was, for the most part, a monster. And now he's in the 2020 NBA draft. So, Norlander, uh, I have James Wiseman fourth on my big board. You have him number three. So let's start here. Why do you like James Wiseman slightly more than I like James Wiseman? Is it because he didn't quit on your alma mater or is there some other reason? You just called him a monster? He was. <laughs> you just said this dude was, for the most part, a monster when he played against the likes of South Carolina State and Illinois Chicago. Well, I, 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 I would encourage you to get on the phone with somebody who also who plays for uh, South Carolina State and ask them mm. whether they think he was a monster because he looked like one. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he had monstrous qualities against South Carolina State, a team that finished 339th in Ken Palm last season, to be well, fair. Well, to well, be well guess who pushed him down that rankings in part? <laughs> exactly. James, James Wiseman. To be fair, Wiseman also his final game of his college career came uh, at the Moda Center uh, in the Rose City of, of Portland when Memphis lost 82-74 against a quality Oregon team. And in that game, Wiseman had uh, 14 points, 12 boards, and uh, 
three fouls. So yes, um, I've got him one spot above you. He, to, all right. So I think I mentioned on a previous podcast uh, when we did our draft profiles. To me, Wiseman is probably going to be right there along with Toppin, uh, in terms of probably team need as much as any player that we'd look at that's in the top six or seven. Um, he is a center. He's a center that wants to be a power forward. And I do actually think that he is going to be able to provide teams with good shooting ability, not shot creation, but good shooting ability from 15, 17, 20 feet. We'll see if he can actually grow into be a player who can like be a true stretch five and step out and give you one or two threes a game. I don't know if that can happen or not. Obviously, the teams that are going to be tasked with uh, putting them high on their big boards, that's the kind of stuff that you need to know if you're going to draft James Wiseman. He is a fascinating case because uh, who is the parallel, right? Even though the positions aren't exactly the same GP, who is the parallel? Who is a parallel and obvious parallel right now in the NBA for James Wiseman? You tell me, Norlander. It's Michael Porter Jr. Barely hey, played. Hold up. Barely played any games in college. Had a he was an awesome recruit coming out of high school. Big man. Now he had a limited game set because of his injury in college. He dropped in the draft. He's not Wiseman's not going to drop the way that Porter did, but certainly a big man in contention to be the if not regarded as the best player in his high school class. And coming into the draft, there was some skepticism about what kind of player he would be. Again, Wiseman's not going to fall the way that Porter did, but I do think there is a parallel in terms of situations with each of these players. So I only bring that up to say Wiseman's lack of game inventory at the college level, if it's used against him, I think that's understandable, but I'm not sure that would necessarily be advisable because Wiseman's skill set doesn't run right alongside Porter's. But if you told me, and this is why I have him so highly ranked on my board, if you told me that Wiseman was turned into the best you know, rookie his first season, I'd, I'd absolutely believe it. And I do think that is going to be one reason why that he is not going to drop the way that Porter did. Porter did for two reasons. One, injury concerns. And two, I think just the intel on him and him being a teammate and, and, and some of the stuff on a personal level, I also think that actually affected where Porter went. That's not going to be the case with Wiseman, although he will get dings, as you said, because he did outright quit on his team. Okay. Michael Porter dropped for one reason, because of his back. If not for real medical red flags, um, he would have been a top five pick. Uh, the talent was undeniable, and you're watching that right now in the bubble at Disney World. Uh, Michael Porter is is a wing. Uh, I, I don't, we're, we're calling them both big men because they're both very tall. Right. Michael Porter is an actual wing. James Wiseman is a center and only a center. He might be a center who can someday step away from the basket and knock down three-pointers the way, um, uh, you know, I, I – and I'm not comparing them as players. They're nothing alike. But, like, Mark Gasol never shot threes for, like, much of his career in the NBA. And then David Fisdale took over in Memphis, and he just said, listen, the way we play basketball now, you've got to take those shots. And so now Mark Gasol is somebody who can stand at the, at, 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 at the top of the arc and, and, and knock down that, that open jumper if you need him to. He doesn't do it as often as maybe you'd prefer. He doesn't do it as well as, um, uh, as, as everybody in the world, but he can do that. And I do think James Wiseman can someday do that, but this is at least one of the issues with James Wiseman. Uh, these days in the NBA, there are lots of guys who can play multiple positions. I don't think he's that. I think he's a center. 
and he is a center in a time where that position has never been less valuable. And so I, like you, will not be surprised if James Wiseman is the best player from this draft. Um, and he might go number one in this draft. He's certainly um, in in the conversation to do it. And I, I do think it'll come down to to what, what team wins the lottery um, when that is held. Um, but but the, the the stuff working against him is yeah. What what wh- what's he made of? Like why did he quit? Yeah. Memphis and 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 he is only um, he he only plays one position and it's the least valuable position in basketball right now. I think I'm more flexible than you on Wiseman's ability to be hybrid ish as a four or five. He definitely is a five. Don't get me wrong on that. Uh, but I do like his. Uh, listen, really good athleticism, great at getting end-to-end on the floor. I do think that he has good good to great potential at being very strong defensively at the NBA level. It's just a matter of who drafts him and how he's used. And then one thing that I think we need to discuss briefly on the pod here, on this, on this short profile pod, is that there was something that dogged Wiseman for his final two years of high school, and that is... He was always obviously great, but that was not evident on an every game basis. He straight up was, I don't want to say he outright took games off, but you could watch James Wiseman play two games on the grassroots circuit in the same day. And the person you saw play at one o'clock in the afternoon was not the same player that you saw play at 830 that night. No, that's right. I remember, obviously, because of where I live, I've talked about James Wiseman a lot. And I remember saying this in advance of him even committing to Memphis, um, that over the years, you and I have been fortunate enough to go out on the grassroots circuit and see the next great bigs, whether it's uh, Jalil Okafor or DeAndre Ayton, um, Marvin Bagley, you name them. And it, whether you just trust your eyeballs or you actually look at the box scores, like Marvin Bagley was a monster basically every time out. Like you, like he was grabbing rebounds and dunking ball every time. Aiton was a monster basically every time out. James Wiseman, you're exactly right. Like sometimes you go, oh my God, that guy's going to be the number one pick in the draft someday. And then the very next game you'd go, why do you have three rebounds? You know, like what, what's, what happened uh-huh. there? Like you, uh, th- he was not consistently awesome and overwhelming the way he should have been, the way his ability allows him to be on the grassroots circuit. But I will say, and I know um, the competition in two thirds of the games were very, very bad, but I, I, my main takeaway from watching Wiseman play three college basketball games was that he was, physically overwhelming for other college basketball players. I know the co- the competition no, was fine. what it was, but like, I, I'll say, I'll put it this way. He looked different. He looked different. And, and by the way, when we're talking about, uh, you know, why aren't you overwhelming grassroots teams? Like grassroots teams are low major, you know, largely low major basketball teams or mid major basketball teams. Yeah. I, I, I just, as someone who watched James Wiseman a lot while he was in high school and watched him three times in college, um, I have real questions about him, about, about a lot of things, but, I was blown away by how physically imposing he was in, yes, just those three college basketball games. He stepped onto the court for Memphis uh, in November of last year and was ready to go. And I think some of that was also obvious motivation 
due to his circumstances at the time. We're talking about a player who, before they played against South Carolina State in an all-time Memphis moment, was <laughs> literally in a courthouse seeking an injunction like 60 minutes, 45 minutes before that game tipped. And sure enough, he got he got it. He got over to the arena. That's a whole other kettle of fish. It's something that um, Paris has obviously written about plenty on the site and, is, frankly, will be radio fodder for his show uh, deep into the, the rest of this year, if not next year. But I do think that was a factor in, in how good he was. And, you know, it's frustrating in retrospect that – and I know I'm preaching the choir, but like I really wish we would have been able to see what Memphis was with this kid last year, um, with this grown man, I should say. I mean, he was he looked fantastic from the outset, but I would have liked to have seen how he would have done, suspension or no suspension. You know, if he had had been able to return and play, you know, in the AAC, how he would have done and how he would have held up game over game. And if we could have even gotten, you know, Paris, if we could have gotten 12 or 13 games, just a little bit more, we don't have that. And it wouldn't. I, I have him third because I think that's what his ceiling is in terms of an NBA player in the context of this draft class. Um, I, I do get the sense that he is going to. You mentioned the number one pick that needs to be reinforced here. There is absolutely a chance James Wiseman goes number one. I mean, we're only four players into this draft profile series, and he is the final one that, in our opinions, uh, really has any sort of realistic chance to be taken first overall. Um, his lack of of college inventory um, may wind up suiting him well because he looked great for three games and he's been consistently working out. He got a, it's funny. He got a head start on the rest of the class parish with the exception of maybe Lamella ball and even with Lamella cause he got injured. Um, but he could have never foreseen the fact that that head start, it, it did basically no good because now everyone's waiting all the way until October until they get drafted. But I do think that him going top three is highly likely. If he went outside the top three, I wouldn't be stunned. I just, I'm not seeing that happen unless you have teams that land one, two, and three that do not have and don't think that they'll have via trades any kind of need for the type of skill set that Wiseman would bring as a five. I, I think that's right. I, I think for more than any other player, how the lottery unfolds will impact James Wiseman. Because somebody might win the lottery that just says, you know, you follow the NFL closely. There are some franchises that if you told them, I think Barry Sanders is available in this draft, they'd be like, well, we're not taking him with the top three pick. You know, like they're just some right. franchises just say, we're not going to, we're not going to spend a, a, that kind of pick on a running back. Um, th there are some NBA franchises now that just say we're not going to spend that type of uh, pick on a, a, a center and only a center um, in, in, in given the way basketball is played, given that, you know, centers get get played off the court all the time in high stakes basketball games. I will say the issues that some traditional centers have getting played off the court because they can't switch onto smaller players and they can't guard and spend. I don't think that's really going to be a problem for James Wiseman. He is an incredible athlete. And so I, I he like runs incredibly well. I, I think he is going to be the type of traditional center who doesn't get run off the court, but still it's going to be an issue for, for, for some franchises. Again, more than anybody else, he needs the lottery to break in his favor. And if it does, you know, if there's if certain franchises get the number one pick, he'll be the number one pick in the draft. But if a different franchise gets the number one pick, he could slip to two, three, four. I don't know how you get him outside of that, really. Um, but but he could he could slip based on the lottery. You mentioned you would have loved to have seen 
what Memphis was with Wiseman playing. I, obviously, I would have loved to have seen that as well because I've always thought the criticism directed at Penny Hardaway and Memphis in general over this past season was wildly misguided. With James Wiseman playing, I think they'd have been one of the best teams in the country. And what would James Wiseman have been? Right there with Obi Toppin mm. as one of the best players. in the. I really do believe James Wiseman would have been a first-team All-American he was one of, again, small, small sample size. But there were only two freshmen who averaged a double-double in college basketball in 2019-20. James Wiseman was one of them. Trivia time! Do you know who the other it's one was? It's got to be Precious Achua, his teammate. It, it was. Now, think about that front court. Who would have had a more talent? Mm. But by the way, if you call Precious Achua a lottery pick... And he he could go back in the lottery. He could slip right out of the lottery. He's going to go in the top 20. Memphis would have been the only team in the country with two lottery picks. Like, yeah. like the, the best front court in America with Precious Achua and James Wiseman. Now, both of their stats would have come down a little bit playing with each other. Like, Precious probably doesn't average a double-double playing with James Wiseman. But, like, that's why, you know, you look at Memphis's opening night roster. The three best players are James Wiseman, Precious Achua, and DJ Jeffries. James Wiseman is gone week before Christmas. DJ Jeffries season-ending knee uh, knee injury uh, the last week of January. You take those dudes, put them on that team. I, I do believe that Memphis was one of the could have been one of the best teams in the country, and I do think James Wiseman would have been a legitimate national player of the year candidate. All right, so get this: so James Wiseman last year, last season, in just three games. So it's just three games, but his his offensive rating per Ken Palm was one forty point eight, which is 140.8 is uh, if you're at if you're at 120 you're amazing 140.8 is stupid it was the best in college obviously he didn't play enough games to qualify but it was 140.8 was by far the best O rating in college troops last season the next closest players were in the 134 133 130 range um, a bunch of guys that you wouldn't know actually Sean McDermott at Butler was the fourth best he was 129.9 and Sean McDermott uh, for the diehards that obviously know he was a senior he shot 39% from three, took 163. So he was a three-point shooter. Usually if you're high in offensive rating, it's because you are a long-distance shooter because you get your rating goes up. The more threes you make, the more efficient player you are. Wiseman's not that. So it says something about how damn good he was not being a long-distance shooter and having a 140.80 rating three games. That's absurd. Um, real quick, GP. Here's what I want to do. I want to look at the past four drafts in the lottery at centers that were taken, and you just tell me... Let's just go rapid fire. You just tell me if you think James Wiseman will have a uh, better, even, or worse career than these centers, okay? And I'm going off of Wikipedia and where they're designated, all right? Go. All right. Last year, Jackson Hayes was the only center taken in the lottery. Better career than Jackson Hayes. Two years ago, you had DeAndre Ayton at one. Better, even worse. DeAndre Ayton's pretty great. He's really good. <laughs> I agree. I'll take I'll take DeAndre Hayden just because I, I think, he's he's already obviously very good in the NBA. Whereas with Wiseman, you do have some question marks. I'll take the, the I'll take the what we know over the what we don't know. I would agree with that. Now the 2018 draft had three centers go in the lottery. You had Muhammad Bamba at six. What about that? What about Bamba? Ooh, mm. I really like Bamba coming out of college. Mm. He has certainly hasn't. Um, made the impact that that DeAndre Ayton has made or even Jaron Jackson Jr. has made. But, yeah, I'll, I'll take Wiseman over Bamba, sure. I think I would take Bamba because I still like Bamba's defensive upside more long-term, but it's close. And then the other center that was taken is Wendell Carter. 
I'll take Wiseman over Carter. I would take Wiseman as well. Um, the only center... By the that, way, Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to eventually be a center in the NBA. Yeah, he's, he wasn't listed as that, but right. uh, on that... We both... Okay, real quick on that. Let's just quick, quick, quick off-ramp and then get back on the highway. We were both sellers on Jaron Jackson Jr. I admit that I was wrong selling to the I, point that I did. I assume you agree. I was wrong, yeah. yeah. Now, now, to the extent that I was wrong... I I never said he's a bomb. I just said the Grizzlies are picking fourth. I would not take him fourth. I I here's what I said. I said I would take Trey Young. Now we can debate that, but like Trey Young's already an All Star, and Jaron Jackson isn't. Right now, the argument the Grizz, Grizzlies fans who who want to argue about this would say, well, if we had Trey Young, then we don't draft John Morant. And would you rather have Trey Young and somebody else or John ja Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr.? And I say that's got nothing to do with what you should have done on the night of the 2018 NBA draft. So uh, if I were, if I, I, I might have been wrong on Jaron Jackson uh, to the extent that he's better than I thought he would be. He is better than I thought he would be. And I would, and I would keep him under these circumstances. But like, it wasn't like I said, don't take Jaron Jackson, take some bum instead. I said, take Trey Young. Trey Young went right behind him. I said, take Trey Young, and Trey Young's already an all-star. I agree with you. Um, all right, the other players we're looking at here, 2017, only one center. He was listed as kind of a combo. Zach Collins went 10th in 2017. I'll take James Wise. So would Zach I. Collins. Zach Collins' his career. Zach Collins has been, he's been solid, but this is – let's just do it before we get out of here. Let's just remind people, again, when we talk about lottery picks, I think sometimes people get carried away with this notion. Zach Collins has been a solid player, and he's averaging 7.5 points and 6.3 rebounds. He's a jag, which is fine. Just keep this stuff in mind, particularly when we get to guys, as we get to like 7, 8, 9, 10 on this draft profile series, 7.5 points, 6.3 rebounds for Zach Collins. The only two other players from 2016, Jakob Pertl. Averaging a, a smooth 5.6 points, 5.7 rebounds. I don't think we need to expound on that. We would both take Wiseman. And then Giorgio Papayanis. I don't even think he's in the league at this point, but I am no NBA expert. He went 13th as a center in that draft. So, yeah, it, Wiseman it, over him as well. It, in fairness to Zach Collins, how many points are you supposed to average when Damian Lillard scores all of them? And it's just an it's an awesome story. Damian, that is just incredible. He is so much fun to watch. I, I – uh, Trivia time. Yeah, who wrote the who wrote the first national column on Damian Lillard? Uh, I believe that was uh, Jeff Goodman. No, you're out of your mind. No, <laughs> Jeff Goodman ranked the assistant coaches from Damian Lillard's league. That's correct. I actually wrote the first column on 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 Damian Lillard. Yeah, I was uh, I shadowed Damian Lillard the all the day before and throughout the entire NBA draft. In fact. Uh, the year that Lillard was drafted, which I believe is 2012, uh, it was in Jersey that year, and they would all the players would stay in Manhattan. They'd get on a bus and then go to the Izod Center, I guess it was, and there was like a huge fire crash on one of the roadways that gets you from Manhattan down to Jersey. And so let's say the draft was scheduled to start. The broadcast starts at 7.30 or whatever. Normally the players get there at about 6.30-ish. At about 7.10... Damian Lillard texts me and says, we're stuck on the highway. There's cops all around. There's a fire. Don't know if we're going to be able to get there on time. They eventually did. Um, but the cool thing about Lillard is there was a lot of rumors when he got drafted about who would take him. And he was very uh, tight-lipped. Was awesome to deal with. It's On a personal note, it's been awesome to see him be as good as he has. But uh, Damian knew where he was going. Because when he got picked, after he got picked, 
he dipped back into the bowels of the arena and he lifted up his legs and he showed me that he had Portland Trailblazer red socks on. So he had that guarantee going in, which was awesome. And he's turned into just an all all time player in that city. And it's really cool uh, to see what he's been able to do. And I hope they get the eight seed and we could see him playing in the playoffs. Hey, 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 hey. You meant to say you hope the Grizzlies get the eight seed. I did not. I mean, I. No, here's the, here's the truth. Like, Listen, I, I want good things for the Grizzlies, but they since they got to the bubble, they lost two starters to in season-ending injuries, Jaron Jackson and Justice Winslow, and um, they lost their backup point guard, Tyus Jones. They, 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 if they get to the playoffs, they're just going to get swept by the Lakers and lose each game by 25 points. As a basketball fan, there's nothing better than Damian Lillard against the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. I don't know that Portland can win it, but Lillard against our king – uh, would be something to watch. Let's get back to Wiseman real quick. You and I both agree he's an incredible talent and physically overwhelming. He is going to be able to rim protect. I do think he can step away from the basket, knock down a shot. Um, he runs the floor uh, amazingly well. He dunks everything around the rim. The the, the physical stuff, from my perspective, uh, the, the basketball stuff, from my perspective, is not even worth debating. Um, we can talk about the value of a center, in the modern NBA, but if you value that position at all, like it's clear, he's the best one available. It's not even close. I I think I, I, if you told me he's a seven time all-star, that would not surprise me at all. I don't question the basketball stuff at all. I do question the other stuff because like we pointed out, um, whether you want to say he left the program or as I put it, quit the team, um, he did walk away and, I know that some people understood it and rationalized it, but what I'm about to tell you is true. He is the first healthy basketball player, in, as far as I know, in history, to ever, quote, quit his team midseason to, quote, prepare for the NBA draft. And obviously, he does it under unusual circumstances. He was serving a suspension um, handed down by the NCAA. If Memphis would have just set him at the beginning of the season, it would have been a nine-game suspension, and I really do think James Wiseman would have would have set that suspension and then played. But they they just messed the whole thing up in a variety of ways. Um, but in talking to people around that program, um, they had some real questions about James Wiseman. Why did you walk away from you the people you called your brothers? when they so badly needed you because you just contrast it to the year before Zion Williamson actually got hurt midseason, blew his shoe out, suffered a knee injury. And there were people, prominent people telling Zion Williamson, you need to, you, you need to stop playing at Duke, stop playing college basketball. You're already the number one pick. You, you don't do this for nothing anymore and risk injury. And Zion Williamson scoffed at that. He said, there is no scenario where I would quit on my brothers. There is no scenario where I would walk away from the opportunity to go to a Final Four, win a national championship, and be the national player of the year. So you can't say that anybody in James Wiseman's position would have done what he did because Zion Williamson was more or less in a similar position, and he didn't do it, even when people were telling me he should. And yet Wiseman walked away. And I was told that there was a time in December, let's just say, where Wiseman and Lester Quinones, a fellow freshman at Memphis, were both sidelined. Wiseman by the NCAA, Quinones by an injury. And I was told that every day in practice, Quinones was on the side of the court. 
He was getting water for his teammates. He was cheering for his teammates. He was present and vocal and working. And Wiseman was nowhere to be found. And he got detached. And then he ultimately quit in a way that, listen, time can heal a lot of things. So he might be cool with some of those guys now. But at the time, they were wildly disappointed in him. They didn't understand why he did what he did. They, um, they, they didn't like how he did it. They didn't like why they thought he did it. And especially for somebody like Precious Achua. Precious Achua is not from Memphis. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know why he ultimately decided to enroll at Memphis. But one of the reasons he said he did is because James Wiseman committed to Memphis and then started recruiting him. With the idea being, I'm going to be the five, you're going to be the four, let's go win a national championship. So then Wiseman quits, and guess who's got to play out of position all year long? Precious Achua. Now, you can argue it was awesome for Achua because he was great, statistically incredible, and he's still going to be a top 20 pick in the NBA draft. But just trust me when I tell you, Precious Achua did not like playing center. That was never the plan. It only became his reality because of what James Wiseman did. And I have had NBA people reach out to me and say, what's he made of? Does he love it the way he needs to love it? What makes him quit the way he quit? And that is something he's going to have to, and I'm sure he already has, he's going to have to address with NBA franchises because it is at least a question that some of them have. I think you said it all there, man. The only thing I'll add before we, as we wrap is that uh, the fact that his coach has plenty of longstanding active ties in the NBA and normally, when you have general managers, associate GMs, and scouts, tap coaching staffs, and head coaches to get intel, um, I'd love to know what Penny Hardaway is really and truly has said to inquiring parties over the past weeks and months about James Wiseman. I don't know how much impact that ultimately will have on where he does or doesn't get drafted. We both think he'll go definitely in the top five and certainly a strong chance of being in the top three. But uh, the stuff that GP just laid out is unquestionably going to be factored in and could well wind up being the difference. A team might want to take him number one, but says, you know what? We'd rather take a chance on LaMelo ball, or you know what? We have more, uh, we have more faith in, in Anthony Edwards, character, et cetera, et cetera. We wait to see. I did have one NBA person tell me like, listen, this is something they're concerned about. Like, and, and they'll ask all the questions. Um, and this person doesn't work for a franchise that's going to be picking in the Wiseman range. So it's like irrelevant to him in reality. But he was like, listen, I can't tell you whether James Wiseman loves it or not. I can't tell you what his mindset is. I can't tell you necessarily what motivates him. But like he is so physically gifted that he'll make $100 million no matter what. Like what this person said to me was Andre Drummond doesn't love it. And I want to be clear. I don't know Andre Drummond at all, but this person works in the NBA and this person said Andre Drummond does not love it, but he's just so physically gifted that he's got a job forever. And he said, at worst, that's what Wiseman is. Not not comparing him as a player to Andre Drummond, but he's so naturally gifted and physically overwhelming that even if he's not wired, like we'll circle this back, like Damian Lillard, like, even if he's not a straight killer, he's just so physically overwhelming and gifted that he'll, he'll be in the NBA for 10 years and make a bazillion dollars. Like, that's the floor for James Wiseman. He has a pretty, pretty high floor at a position that, as we've noted, is, is, is less valuable than it's ever been. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. 
legend. Shouts to Larnell, and thank you for listening once again to the Iron College Basketball Podcast in the middle of a pandemic. If you enjoy it, please tell one person about it. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. I'd appreciate it. Norlander would appreciate it. So please go do that, and we will talk to you again really soon. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.